Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we give our final parting thoughts on the Buccaneers' win over the Carolina Panthers. Then we look ahead to this coming week's primetime matchup against the NFC West division-leading Los Angeles Rams. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I am James Yarko joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Like to welcome back all of our old listeners. Like to welcome in all of our new listeners here to the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And David, we are going to put a nice pretty bow on top of a win by the Buccaneers over the Panthers in week 10, winning 46 to 23. And I think we need to do so by going back and talking about the game plans that we had on last week's show and how those potentially played out. We'll start with you because quite honestly, uh, your game plan was the MVP of the shows last week because it pretty much, you, you nailed it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's always a good feeling to be right. And uh, I just want to, to say you're welcome to to young Byron Leftwich for providing him the the blueprint to defeating the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, he came into listen record setting low amount of carries uh, against New Orleans Saints. I know Bruce Arians came out and said that was on him and that was his fault. Uh, again, we've had this discussion before of just how much does Byron Leftwich actually control the offense and the, and the flow of the game, and that kind of answered it right there where he doesn't control at all at least, and we don't know how much he does control and doesn't, but at a minimum. He doesn't control it to the point where Bruce Arians can dictate that this offense has a record-setting low amount of runs in, in a blowout loss. So uh, that answered that question. But coming into this game, uh, yeah, that's – I mean, it was the game plan. It was my bold prediction. And I even wrote on BucksNation.com for my bold prediction that we might see a classic uh, overreaction, I mean, overcorrection. And we see that a lot just in life, not just in sports, uh, that we might see a whole lot of carries. And we did. 37 times the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran the football against Carolina Panthers, including – the three kneel downs from Blaine Gabbert because we count those for, for other things. So we're going to count them in this, right? Good to see Blaine Gabbert back on the field, taking a knee, but this time it's, it's, it's for a good reason, right? The Carolina Panthers ran 47 total offensive plays. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran the ball 10 fewer times than the Panthers ran complete offense. Like you talk about the running game, getting involved, getting involved early, getting involved, big 98 yard touchdown run has been hit on over and over again. And it was a beautiful play. Don't get me wrong, but Ronald Jones still 22 carries outside of that for almost 100 yards. It was a solid rushing performance from from their starter, from their primary back, from the guy that I feel like should be their feature back. Hopefully, we're going to see a heavier dose of Ronald Jones moving forward because right now he's on pace to break 1,000 yards rushing, which is something I believe, James, that we did when we did our preseason predictions. I believe I did say that I thought Ronald Jones was going to break 1,000 yards rushing, so I'd really like to be right on that one just like I was on this one. Yeah, I think you're going to see that happen. Um 
Thanksgiving weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I I can't imagine that they get away from Rojo too much, given his his performances when he is the feature guy. It just makes too much sense. So, yeah, it was it was nice for you to be right. I know that's not something you're used to because usually you disagree with me, and we all know how that goes. <laughs> um. I did not have a game plan, so I couldn't be right or wrong. I was mm-hmm. merely a moderator for your game plan. And then, of course, on Friday, my guest was Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network, and he gave his defensive game plan, which was pretty much what I would have said. But Trevor had to put his name on it. So if he had been wrong, then I would not have been. He had, he had exactly. said, um, he said, get back to who you were. Get back to the style of defense that you had that got you to the point where you were that they had gotten away from. They were doing, you know, too much cushion by the secondary on opposing wide receivers. They were doing these soft zone schemes. They weren't blitzing and it led to problems. And we saw some of that again in the first half and it was leading to problems. That was Trevor's game plan. That would have been my game plan. That's what they did for half of the game. And it worked. Because up until then, it was they were either losing and they had just tied it up. You know, going into halftime, they go back to their identity and boom, you're only giving up six points in the second half while your offense is putting up 26 points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely worked in the second half. And hopefully we see that bleed over to the first half against the Los Angeles Rams. But before we get to that, James, we got to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Before we get to that, though, we got to talk about updated playoff odds. What a wild time, David. What a wild time to be alive talking about updated playoff chance percentages before Thanksgiving. Usually the season's over by now. Yeah, I was going to say, we're usually talking about mock drafts around this time of the year, so it's (laughs) it's a welcome change to be talking about uh, playoff odds, and it's a good look for our odds of working in January this year. So, well, 2021, I guess, but this season, you get what I'm saying. Uh, and, and right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, sitting at seven three, the New Orleans Saints sitting at seven and two. Uh, the, the Buccaneers have the best odds of finishing with the fifth seed in the NFC. That's the that's the entire conference, obviously not the NFC South. But they do have a twenty five and a half percent chance to win the division right now, according to Football Outsiders. All this is according to Football Outsiders. Now, they did, in some of their calculations, take into account things like injuries, and I'm sure the injury to Drew Brees. Uh, has something to do with that. So Buccaneers fans might feel like they have a little bit more of a 25% chance to uh, to take the division, considering Jameis Winston is expected to start probably at least two games, I would imagine. I know Drew Brees is seeking a second opinion, but uh, I don't know. I can't imagine coming back from a collapsed lung in less than three weeks. Uh, but, hey, you never know what's going to happen, right? Um, and at the moment, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 68.9% chance of securing a wild card spot and a 94.4% chance in total just a secure playoff spot in any way, shape, or form, whether it's division, wild card, whatever, 94.4% chance that they are going to make the playoffs, which is the second highest percentage chance in the national in the National Football Conference right now, and the fourth total chance in the National Football League. Only the Kansas City Chiefs, New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis Colts, and Pittsburgh Steelers have a higher percentage chance of making the playoffs as of right now than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do. So looking good overall. Uh, despite having that really super embarrassing loss to the New Orleans Saints and, of course, frustrating loss uh, to the Chicago Bears earlier this season. David, we are going to have to um, we are going to have to move on. Give a quick shout out to uh, to a friend of ours before heading into the next segment. And of course, 
I am talking about our friends over at Echelon. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. Wrapping up our final thoughts on the Panthers game coming up in segment number two right here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Midweek here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, which means we're going to close the book on Tampa Bay versus the Carolina Panthers. James, we're going to go over some things that we expected to see and did see and some things that we did not expect to see necessarily. Either we didn't see them coming or we saw the opposite happening and then we saw it anyway. Uh, And then we'll go ahead and move into our coverage of the Los Angeles Rams all leading into the crossover Thursday episode tomorrow where I will have Sosa Kremengis, the host of the Locked On Rams podcast on the show to fill you in on all the things that we need to learn about the Rams. So, James, I'm going to kick this off with uh, my expected. What I expected to see is I expected to see a very heavy dose of Mike Evans. Now, we almost saw two touchdowns from Mike Evans, and we possibly could have even seen more if uh, things went a different way. But uh, with all the talk of, you know, Mike Evans and Tom Brady not getting along or not clicking or, you know, and with all the conversations with everything, I mean, th- these guys read their clippings. These guys knows what the, knows they know what the conversations are. I expected Tom Brady to look Mike Evans' way just a little bit more than he usually does. And man, oh man, did he leading the team with 11 targets, six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. So something I expected to see and something I was very happy to see in this game. Yeah, my expected was the return to pressure from the defense. Talked about it a little bit in segment one when we talked about the game plans, but the Buccaneers couldn't continue on the track that they were on only trying to get pressure on the quarterback with the front three or front four, especially with the loss of Vita Vea, you factor that in and it really becomes even more confusing as to why that was the game plan against the saints. So I like seeing all the different blitzes coming. I like seeing, you know, Antoine Woodfield jr. Lining up showing blitz. There was a time when, when both Levante and Devin white were up on the line of scrimmage showed blitz faked it, dropped back into coverage, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the play where Jason Pierre-Paul ended up with an interception. The whole thing flustered Teddy Bridgewater, got him off you know, off his timing, and he made a mistake. So I expected to see the Buccaneers get back to it. It took a little bit longer into the game than I would have liked, but I was happy to see it because that's what's going to help win them games down the stretch and hopefully find a way with a little help from around the NFL to overtake the New Orleans Saints and grab that number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a fun thing to see. Um, 
I went, I went first with the expected, so how about you go first with the unexpected? Unexpected. Okay, I will say the offensive line success without Ali Marpet. And, you know, we had talked about it heading into the game when the announcement was made that it wasn't going to be Joe Haig replacing Ali Marpet. In fact, they were going to do a little bit of a shuffle. They were going to bring in AQ Shipley. They were going to slide Jensen over to guard, let Shipley play center. You know, that's somebody that has played for Bruce Arians. He was a starter for the Cardinals even after Arians left. He played for the Colts. There was some familiarity there, but you know, Evan Winter, our our colleague there at, at Bucks Nation, had raised some concerns of, you know, is this the first time AQ Shipley is going to be snapping the ball to Tom Brady? Because that's one of those things that a lot of people just take for granted is that center quarterback exchange. And those guys practice that constantly because it is so vital to the success of the offense. But I didn't expect them to play as well as they did. I did expect them to be better with AQ in instead of Haig, but I did not expect them to have the success that they did you know, against Carolina. You're talking about they allowed just seven hits on the QB. They did allow one sack of Tom Brady, which was more of a coverage sack than it was a, a sack allowed by the offensive line due to not being able to pick up pressure or getting beat by their guy. And then, you know, as we talked about, they helped the Bucks get over 200 rushing yards as a team. It was Jensen that sprung Ronald Jones on that huge 98-yard run. So I was really impressed by the offensive line. Did not expect them to play nearly as well as they did. Yeah, and then my unexpected uh, that I saw in this game, we talked about a little bit off air before we recorded. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., one assisted tackle that was it that's 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 his stat line from this game is one assisted tackle and uh listen that's not necessarily a ding on Antoine Winfield Jr. it just kind of shows you know a little bit of the dominance of this defense I mean you look at the running stats you look at the passing stats you know uh you would think that in the first half with some of the success that Teddy Bridgewater was having I think he completed his first 10 passes if I remember correctly uh that your safety one of your that each of your safeties would have a few more tackles uh, Jordan Whitehead came out of this game with four himself. So the two starting safeties combined for five total tackles. Uh, that's that's solo and assisted tackles. So, you know, you'd expect a little bit more, you know, an NFC defensive rookie of the year candidate. I mean, th- this is a stat box that's going to help his case. Um, I still think he's in the running, but, you know, obviously you kind of hope to see a little bit more. But then in the second half, I mean, really the Panthers just couldn't do anything. They couldn't complete a pass. They couldn't run past the line of scrimmage. So when everything is stopping, within a yard or two for the most part of your line of scrimmage, it's kind of hard for one of your deep guys to really get into the action. So as, so as, as the stat box is going to look a little bit negative in this whole thing, uh, the actual performance, of the defense really kind of contributed to that whole thing as well. So it's a positive almost as much as it is a negative negative really only because you know that Winfield is in the running for that, that rookie award and you'd like to see him get it. Yeah. Kind of an unexpected, uh, you know, rough game for Antoine Winfield jr. And, and hopefully that just means that he's going to make up for it against the Rams on yeah. Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of those Rams, now we're going to flip over to week 11 and uh, the Los Angeles Rams coming to Florida for Monday night football. Looking at the Los Angeles Rams, looking at this week 11 opponent uh, coming off of a 23-16 win over the Seattle Seahawks to, to advance their record 6-3, and three, James, like you said. Now for first place in the NFC West and NFC West division, by the way, that very much looks like they're going to send three teams to the playoffs. Uh, this coming season, um, it, it definitely looks like the Rams, the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals, who I don't think many people saw that coming, uh, could very well be in the hunt for playoff spots with the Vikings kind of faltering a little bit and 
the NFC East just being the NFC least. So uh, let's look at uh, this last game the Rams had against the Seattle Seahawks, defeating the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, if you, if you know anything about the Seahawks, you know their defense is suspect uh, as all get out and their offense really has to carry the thing. So when their offense struggles a little bit, it's going to be bad news for Seattle Seahawks, a team that is definitely made to be a front runner, not play from behind. And the Rams did exactly that. First off, putting three points on the board to start off the scoring against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks did come back and score a touchdown to take a 7-3 lead. But then the Los Angeles Rams were able to put up 10 straight points, to take a 17-7 lead before the Seattle Seahawks made it 13-17. Los Angeles heading into the half and then coming out in the second quarter, it was just all defense. Los Angeles Rams were able to score a touchdown and hold the Seattle Seahawks to three total second half points. Russell Wilson finishes with less than 300 yards passing and two interceptions, a 57 QBR. So when you play the Seattle Seahawks in the, in the postseason, because this could be the Buccaneers situation playing the Seahawks in the postseason, you need to study this film. You need to see what this Rams defense did against the Seahawks offense. Uh, because some guys, I mean, everybody knows about Jalen Ramsey, but also Darius Williams, uh, a guy that uh, Sosa over at Locked on Rams has been praising a lot. We're going to talk about him a little bit in the crossover because Sosa is really high on this cornerback. And I know everybody's going to be wondering, Jalen Ramsey versus Mike Evans. Well, according to Sosa, Darius Williams may keep Chris Godwin or whoever he's covering from even getting in, into the stat box. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then you look at the Rams offense, Jared Goff, 300 yards of passing against the Seahawks. I know it's the Seahawks defense, but still 300 yards from Jared Goff is a pretty amazing thing for the most part. Trust me. Uh, no touchdowns, though, not unexpected, but also no interceptions. So a clean game from Jared Goff. I don't know how many clean games he has for the season, but I'm always a little bit surprised when I see Jared Goff. Uh, enter the stat box with zero interceptions and then that running game and you know this is something the Rams are probably going to try to get going against San Bay Buccaneers but James we know and, and you'll get into the stats here in a little bit in a second but running the ball against this Buccaneers defense still proving very difficult to do even without Vita Vea uh, the Rams use a three-headed attack 10 carries for Cam Akers six carries for Malcolm Brown and seven carries for Daryl Henderson uh, 38 yards 33 yards 28 yards a very consistent very solid rushing attack from the Los Angeles Rams against or with those three wide uh, running backs Two touchdowns for Malcolm Brown, one touchdown for Henderson. But again, it's the Seahawks defense. And this Buccaneers defensive front is a lot different than the Seahawks. Taking a look at this Rams team from an overall kind of snapshot, and we know stats don't tell the whole story, but they give us an idea of where the story is heading. I was really honestly pretty surprised at some of these numbers, but you talked about it. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball, David. This Rams defense is second only to the Baltimore Ravens in points allowed per game with 18.7. The Ravens are number one with 18.3. They are fifth against the run, allowing 96.8 yards per game, third against the pass, allowing 199.7 points per game. Let's flip it over to the offensive side because this is what really surprised me. You said, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know. For as much grief as we may give Jared Goff, <laughs> this Rams team is better than I thought they were. Like I was like, yeah, they're a quiet six and three. They're really not that good. 11th in the NFL in passing 261.3 yards per game. Eighth in the NFL in running the ball, 134.2 points per game. They are 19th in the NFL in points scored with 24 points per game. Their turnover differential dead even. 13 turnovers, 13 takeaways. You mentioned some of these guys uh, when you were when you were talking about the Rams. Well, let's go down the kind of the team leaders. Jared Goff, of course, he's got 2,447 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's been sacked 
13 times on the year. Running the ball, it's been Daryl Henderson, 486 yards and four touchdowns. His counterpart, Malcolm Brown, 347 yards, five touchdowns. On the receiving front, you know the names. Cooper Cup, 577 yards leading the team, uh, but only two touchdowns. Robert Woods, 469 yards and four touchdowns. We're going to move on, James, to our final segment of the show and in it we're going to continue our look at the los angeles rams our first look and we're going to go over some of our biggest concerns from this upcoming monday night football game and our biggest confidence going up against the rams this monday night and of course all that is brought to you in part by our friends over at built bar the new and improved built bar that relaunched in august of 2020 is even deliciouser than the previous version which was already the best protein bar you would have ever tasted if you tried it in our initial run with this sponsor built bar has 18 amazing flavors some of them nuts, some of them nut-free flavors, including six new flavors that they launched in August with their relaunch, consisting of flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Again, that's on top of their 12 original flavors. These bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein and high fiber. Great for anybody that's on the keto diet. Right now, if you want to continue taking advantage of this relationship, go to BuiltBar.com, use a promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Segment three of Locked On Bucks coming up. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are looking ahead now to the Monday night matchup with the Los Angeles Rams. David, let's get in quickly to our biggest concerns, but our biggest confidence heading into that game. And I will go ahead and kick things off with my biggest concern. And it's exactly what I just said. It's primetime, baby. I'm concerned about the Bucs in primetime. They're rearranging the practice schedule to try to prepare for primetime. The Bucs have not looked good in primetime games this year, one and two, as we know, and they didn't even really look all that good against the New York Giants in that one win. On the flip side, I don't know who the Los Angeles Rams are. They're six and three but they're two and two in their last four games. And think about this. They beat Chicago and Seattle, but they lost to San Francisco and Miami. I still don't buy into Miami, by the way. That's why I'm saying that with a little bit of, you know, they're, they're losing to teams they should beat. They're beating teams that they should lose to. It, it's it. Nothing makes sense about this Rams team. Their defense is really, really good, but their offense, in spite of having, these top third rankings, they're not putting up any points. I don't know what to expect, but my biggest concern, if this was a one o'clock kickoff, this was a 425 kickoff, I am all in on the Bucs. Primetime games, I, I have to pause a little bit because I legitimately worry about their performance in those games. Yeah, that primetime concern is a big one and one that everybody's going to be talking about all week leading up to the game. Fans are going to be you know chewing their nails more than they're chewing chicken wings. Uh, as this thing gets near, nearer and nearer, closer and closer to kickoff on Monday night. Um, my biggest concern, James, honestly, is that we're going to see the return of the Rojo list running game. I mean, listen, this guy has been nothing short of an absolute stud for this Buccaneers offense. You talk about skill position players. I mean, Mike Evans has been injured all season long, not throwing shade at him, not blaming him, not, you know, accusing him of anything. 
but it just is what it is. Mike Evans has been injured all season long. He's had some games where he, they just weren't able, able to get him involved for one reason or another. Chris Godwin has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Again, same thing, copy and paste from Mike Evans, no shade there. Antonio Brown, I mean, suspended for the first half of the season, so there you go. Scotty Miller is all of a sudden an afterthought since Antonio Brown got to town, which I'm not really happy about. Um, but Ronald Jones, man, the best, of, the best ability is availability, right? Ronald Jones has been the guy who has been available all season long. And whenever the Buccaneers need to lean on him, whenever they look to turn his way, whenever they said Rojo – Carry the load. He's done it. Three straight 100-yard rushing games earlier earlier this year. As soon as Leonard Fournette came back, what happened? Carries cut in half. Snaps cut in half. Out-touched and out-snapped by Leonard Fournette. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now, and I'm really hoping I don't see it against the Rams because I'm going to hate it if we do. Hopefully, my biggest confidence will help ease your mind about your biggest concern. With that said, my biggest confidence heading into this game is the Buccaneers' utilization of of their weapons. I am extremely confident that they will find a way to utilize the guys that they can in order to beat the Rams. David, you mentioned in the last segment, you got Jalen Ramsey lining up against Mike Evans. You got Williams lining up against Godwin. Guess what? That still leaves Rojo, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson. These, This is something that the Buccaneers might be able to expose that other teams have not. What other team has Los Angeles faced where they could shut down their top two weapons and it affect the game you know, as much as it did and lead to a Rams victory? With the Bucs, you can shut down their top two weapons. Their third and fourth weapons are top two weapons on every other team in the NFL. You have a running game that you can rely on with Ronald Jones as long as he is your feature guy. I believe they learn from their mistake against New Orleans. Even if the running game struggles early on, they're going to stick with it. B.A. is going to stick with his guy in Ronald Jones. I'm confident that the Buccaneers will be able to overcome Evans against Ramsey, Godwin against Williams, and still be able to put up points on this Rams defense, unlike the ability of teams that the Rams have already faced to be able to utilize their secondary weapons the way the Buccaneers can. And what gives me confidence entering this Monday night matchup, James, you said the Rams have won six games this season, right? I did. They have won four of those games without scoring 25 points. So when you talk about Jared Goff has been better when this Los Angeles Rams offense has been better than maybe they've been advertised we talked about this shortly before we hit recording, right? Stats do lie sometimes. I'm looking at the schedule. They put up 20 points in a win against the Cowboys. They put up 17 points in a win against the Giants. 24 points in a win against the Bears. 23 points against a win uh, in a win against the Seahawks. The Los Angeles Rams team is not winning on offense. They're winning on defense. It's going to be a race to 25. If the Buccaneers can put up 25 points or more, then they win this game. That's the way I see this thing. And the, and the Los Angeles Rams have not faced a defense as good as the Buccaneers have, except for maybe Chicago. And even statistically, I think the Buccaneers defense is probably better in total defense, but the Bears are a good a good matchup. They did win that matchup 24 to 10. What did the Rams do to hold the Chicago Bears to 10 points? Well, let me tell you something. I love Allen Robinson. I do. I love me some Allen Robinson. The Chicago Bears do not have the weapons the Buccaneers have. The Chicago Bears do not have the quarterback that the Buccaneers have. And I know some of you are sitting there and saying, well, then why did the Bears beat the Buccaneers? Got it. They laid an egg. If the Buccaneers can come out and even lay less than half of an egg. Let's, I mean, honestly, this is a game, guys. 
the Buccaneers should be able to come out and play one solid half football and still come out with a win. Now, one solid half football, you probably eke out a win. You're probably talking 28-21 if you play one solid half. You know what I'm saying? But if the Buccaneers come out and play buck ball, stick to the game plan, get Rojo involved, be aggressive, force Jared Goff to make some of those terrible decisions he's known for making, they should be able to come away with a very convincing win in prime time. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Plenty more Rams talk coming at you this week. Again, the game's not until Monday, so that means a bonus episode of basically previewing this game. So make sure tomorrow you are checking out David's crossover with Locked On Rams host Sosa. Going to be some great information there. Find out how the Rams have gotten to six wins without really doing too much in the scoring department on the offensive side of the ball. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at harrison 82 and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely tremendous day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other, and we thank you so much for joining us right here 